This afternoon I'm speaking with ANU Professor Sotiris Vadulakis, uh, who's Professor of Global Environmental Health. Thank you for joining me. Thank you and good afternoon. Uh, in light of what's been going on in the ACT with the Canberra air quality crisis, with bushfire smoke at hazardous levels, we're having a conversation this afternoon. And I understand that you've worked all over the globe in epidemiological research around pollution and the impacts of pollution on health in the community, but also on climate change. And Yes, yeah. thank you. Uh, very happy to, to discuss this. So I was in in the UK most of the um, last 20 years uh, and I uh, worked for different organisations, universities and also for Public Health England and also advised the World Health Organisation. Thank you. What are Australia's unique vulnerabilities in terms of climate change? Australia is very much exposed to, to the effects of climate change uh, and this is because of the climatic conditions here and, and the landscape. So uh, the country, uh, the continent is vulnerable to droughts and heat waves, and also floods. Uh, so depending on the on the on the circumstances and the weather conditions, uh, different parts of the countries uh, might be affected by by droughts. But uh, different times, so the same places might be affected by floods, as we've seen in, in Queensland in particular. Of course, the central of Australia is very much affected by very high temperatures, heat waves, uh, uh, tem- temperatures which are very, very persistently very high, uh, which create conditions which are very difficult uh, for the people uh, living there. But also we see increasingly uh, heat waves uh, to affect uh, bigger cities on the eastern coast and the southern coast and also Western Australia. And, and of course, when we have very hot and, uh, conditions and prolonged dry conditions, that results to uh, that results in uh, bushfires. And, and we've seen the, the season of bushfires to start earlier, and also uh, the extent and, and duration of these bushfires to be much uh, much longer, and, and of course affecting the, the larger areas. So this is the main concern related to climate change. Mm-hmm. And what does the research say about the potential direct health impacts of climate change, including mortality rates from exposure and response to heat and toxic emissions? And how do we avert those negative impacts? The the negative effects of climate change can be direct. Uh, For example, we have uh, an increase in in heat-related deaths uh, on on days of uh, when we have heat waves or on days of uh, high temperatures more, more generally, but also we have increased mortality on, on days of very high air pollution. And, uh, and these, these uh, deaths are uh, excess deaths above the, the, the normal number of deaths that we experience uh, daily in, in the country. So the, we, we need to, mi- to minimize exposure of the population to extreme heat and also minimize our exposure to to hazardous air pollution. And there are a number of steps we can take in our daily life to, to reduce exposure. But of course, it is very important for uh, um, for the country and the political leadership at national, federal, state level, also local level, to have policies and plans in place to uh, to protect the population from from uh, extreme events and also to, to reduce uh, carbon emissions, which are the, the main cause uh, 
to the main cause of climate change, which is directly related to these kind of extreme events. Mm. Is there any research that evaluates the effect of environmental pollution, especially heat, smoke or particulates, and mental health impacts? The, the heat in particular has been associated with uh, uh, mental health impacts. So in days of uh, high uh, temperatures and, uh, and heat waves, uh, we've seen an increase in, in, uh, in suicide rates. And uh, uh, there has been evidence that uh, this has occurred in, in Australia, uh, especially in rural communities. But, uh, but globally, we've seen increases in, in the, um, violent events and, and uh, mental 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 health presentations during uh, periods of very hot weather. There is less evidence in, in connecting air pollution with the mental health effects, but I think it's, it's plausible given the current situation when you have extremely uh, polluted uh, urban areas affected by thick smoke, which is also visible and, and, and affect, affects respiratory health, cardiovascular health, visibility, that can have also a psychological impact on, on the people uh, who, who are experiencing symptoms, but also the, the people who, uh, who can see and smell the bushfire smoke in, 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 in their cities. So it's creating perhaps some anxiety amongst uh, those people who are already living with mental health challenges? Absolutely. I think the, the scenes we've seen uh, on, on TV and uh, especially the, the, the fires, the catastrophic fires and the loss of uh, uh, life, of course, and properties and, and uh, animal life, all these uh, have impact on our, our, our um, uh, psychological health, our mental health. And, and I can, we experience that also uh, in, in our families. I have young, young children and, and I know that they're stressed when we see these kind of images on, on TV and, and actually we try to, 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 to minimize that. But, but of course, we live in a situation where, where we see these images everywhere in media mm. and, and, of course, that creates a lot of, a lot of anxiety. Mm. It's it's very immediate, isn't it? And people are, are looking at information on Facebook, and uh, there's rolling news coverage at the moment about the bushfires uh, crisis in in New South Wales, Victoria, and and coming up in other other states, which is deeply concerning for people, particularly the elderly and and uh, more vulnerable communities who perhaps can't escape some of those impacts in their own homes because they don't have adequate air conditioning or appropriate housing to uh, ameliorate some of the impacts. That, that's right. So the, the communities uh, have less ability to uh, relocate, of course, but also they live in, in, in uh, houses which are uh, more leaky, less... Um, less air time, they uh, have less access to air conditioning or air, air uh, filtration. They do have uh, worse air quality in, in their houses and, and, and would be less uh, able to, uh, to minimize their exposure to air pollution because uh, they, can, uh, they cannot uh, um, avoid air pollution even in the indoor environment. So uh, in these cases, of course, we, we advise individuals to, to try and stay indoors uh, and, and ventilate their houses when air quality is, is uh, uh, relatively better. But of course, the, the housing conditions uh, um, are crucial uh, for reducing 
air pollution indoors. And, and, and of course, we want to make sure that uh, people don't generate pollution in the indoor environment by cooking, smoking, or, 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 or burning candles, etc. So we, we need to make sure that the indoor air quality is as, as good as possible um, to avoid exposure. Mm. And so it seems that um, from uh, systematic reviews and meta-analysis of epidemiological evidence by Aditi Bunker et al., that uh, the impacts upon the elderly uh, for temperature-induced responses to the heat are particularly high as a result of uh, higher temperatures, which are resulting um, from climate change, and also people with neurological illnesses and mental health. It, it seems to be endangering those people because they are, um, are less able to take, as we've been discussing, preventative action. This is the case. What sort of steps should be taken to protect uh, the elderly and those with mental illness and vulnerable individuals with complex health needs in dangerous heat and smoke conditions? And we've got, I know I'm talking to you today, but tomorrow is going to be a very high fire danger day in the ACT and also in coming days. So it's particularly important information for our community members at the moment. The scientific evidence is, uh, is very clear uh, in that respect. So the elderly people over 65 are at, at high risk of uh, um, uh, high temperatures and extreme temperatures. So they, they, should, they should take extra care in, in reducing exposure uh, to uh, very high temperatures by staying indoors, uh, being well hydrated, uh, taking the regular medication, etc., and, and, and seeking medical advice if they if they feel particularly unwell. Also, um, other sensitive groups are people who have uh, existing uh, uh, heart and lung disease, uh, people with asthma, for example, or people with uh, um, uh, uh, cardiovascular disease. They're at high risk of, of uh, extreme temperatures, and uh, they also need to, to be cautious, uh, avoid exposure, stay indoors, uh, well hydrated, uh, and, uh, and also it's very important to maintain uh, contact with the community and, and, and the social network around them. So it's important for the communities to, um, to take care of the people who are more vulnerable and, and ensure that uh, elderly people living in, in our neighborhood, uh, um, that we check with them and, and, and they, they know how to access information and, uh, and also... Uh, call a relative or a neighbour in case they, they feel unwell. Mm. And about the bushfire smoke, which we've been dealing with for something like two months now, is bushfire smoke toxic? And how long can a person be exposed to bushfire smoke before developing symptoms? And what sort of symptoms do we see which uh, might signal that somebody is um, unwell from bushfire smoke? So the, the bushfire smoke is is toxic. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's a product of of, of combustion. So it has uh, a number of uh, toxic chemicals. It's a mixture of toxic chemicals, and uh, and uh, of course exposure over short and longer periods uh, um, uh, can cause a number of symptoms. The the symptoms will depend very much on the individuals, sensitive individuals with some pre-existing. Uh, uh, respiratory uh, problem, for example, those suffering from asthma, they might feel an um, um, exacerbation of their symptoms. They might, uh, they might need to use their uh, um, uh, reliever inhalers more frequently, and they will have, of course, to uh, 
follow their action management plan and, and uh, uh, take preventive medication in, in advance of experiencing symptoms. But, but of course, other people uh, also may experience irritation of the nose and the throat, some coughing, uh, ra- running eyes and nose. Uh, so these kind of simple symptoms and discomfort might, might be experienced by uh, a larger number of people. These, these symptoms are reversible over time. And, and of course, when uh, we're not exposed to air pollution anymore, then we'll, we'll feel much better. But of course... Uh, there, there is some evidence that long, prolonged exposure to uh, bushfire smoke can affect uh, lung function. And, uh, and actually, there's some evidence from uh, studies uh, carried out with uh, uh, firefighters, which show that uh, people exposed to very high levels of air pollution, uh, bushfire smoke, over, over a, um, a number of weeks, even if these people are healthy individuals, they might uh, have reduced lung function uh, after this exposure. And they will eventually recover. But, of course, if this happens more often or if, if this happens for a number of, of years, a number of years, season after season, then there is a concern that uh, uh, lung function might be compromised in the long, in the long term. Mm. So there is a potential, perhaps, for people to develop carcinogenic uh, responses, cancers, to high long-term exposure of bushfire smoke or smoke in general? Bushfire smoke, as, as um, other types of air pollution, is, is uh, carcinogenic. So there is uh, um, a small increase in risk for people who are exposed to bushfire smoke um, over the over over a long period of time. So this is a, a small increase in the risk of, of suffering from lung cancer over a lifetime. It's uh, similar to smoking a number of cigarettes, which also uh, exposes to a to a mixture of, of, of chemicals which are toxic and eventually uh, potentially can, can uh, increase the risk of, of uh, uh, and cause lung cancer. But of course, this is uh, an, an extreme kind of uh, health outcome and uh, the increase in the risk for, uh, for the population is, is, uh, is rather small. Mm. And so there's been a lot of talk about people using P2 or even P3 quality masks but what does the latest research uh, show to be the best exposure reduction strategies that might assist Canberrans during this Canberra air quality crisis? P2 masks uh, are effective in, in reducing exposure to fine particles if, if they are fitted properly. Uh, of course, don't um, advise people um, to use P2 masks on, on, on a daily basis because this is impractical. Uh, this this uh, these uh, professional masks, the P2 masks, uh, are only available for for adults. There are no P2 masks for for, for children, and will provide f- effective uh, protection if they are fitted properly around the mouth and, and nose of the individuals. We see people wearing uh, surgical masks, uh, very simple paper masks. So these are much less effective. Uh, they can still reduce exposure uh, to some extent, but uh, they are not very effective in, in uh, removing particles because of the leakage around the mask into into the respiratory system, and also they can they can um, give people a, a false sense of security, feeling that they if they wear a mask they can spend more time outdoors. So the, the most effective advice for reducing exposure is to stay indoors and uh, close doors and windows, and use an uh, a, an air purifier with a HEPA 
HIPAA filter, and and also use a, a air conditioning system on 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 recirculate mode. So that will reduce exp- uh, that will reduce pollution in the indoor environment, and and people will be less exposed to uh, to bushfire smoke. Mm-hmm. Of course, at some point they will need to ventilate their house, and and we advise. Uh, um, people to do that when air quality is slightly better. So it might be a time of the day, uh, might be late in the evening or early in the morning, when air quality will be better, and that will be the right time to to ventilate the house. Um, because of course we cannot keep the windows and close uh, the windows and doors closed all the time. Mm. Many people are going into the malls and going to the movies and various things to and taking the children there because it's the school holiday period. But are our buildings and air conditioning systems capable of filtering these particles that you were discussing? Well, well, um, uh, air conditioned place uh, in a modern building, uh, like in a shopping centre, uh, a library, community centre, they they will have lower levels of uh, of uh, air pollution than uh, outdoors. So there will be some filtration. There will be, so there will there will be some. Uh, um, Removal of pollutants of particles from the from the indoor air, so it's better uh, under these circumstances to stay indoors, and and of course uh, air conditioned places have a, a more comfortable temperatures, so that will reduce exposure to heat. Mm. So it it is it is recommended to uh, to go to community centres, uh, shopping centres, libraries, uh, movie theatres, and uh, also. Uh, People, of course, if they want to exercise, it's better to exercise indoors under these circumstances. Uh, in a gym or in a yoga place or in a swimming pool, it's better exercising indoors than outdoors when air quality is, is hazardous. Mm. Well, I've been quite surprised to see people running around the lake and various things in the high-dense smoke. I've, I've wondered about um, whether or not people understood the dangers. In the long term, given that these events may uh, become part of our lives more fully. What sort of adaptive measures do we need to put in place to reduce the health and mental health impacts of climate change? We need to um, provide the information that will allow, the, allow people to uh, to make informed decisions. So we need to have an, a plan as individuals to reduce exposure to, to bushfire smoke and air pollution more broadly. And this is by uh, keeping an eye on on the air quality information av- available on the on the on the website, the government websites, and the health advice they provide. So it's important to uh, identify which uh, which is the nearest uh, air quality monitoring station uh, where we live, and and follow the information, and adapt our uh, daily activities in a way that uh, minimizes our exposure to air pollution. So, for example. If air pollution is lower in the morning, um, plan a, a walk or uh, going for shopping over that period of time um, or do some exercise outdoors. But then when air, air pollution is high, stay indoors with closed windows and doors uh, uh, and use an air purifier if possible. So it's it's uh, important to adapt our, our daily uh, uh, routine in a way that minimizes our exposure, particularly for people who feel the symptoms or may have all, uh, compromised uh, um, respiratory or cardiovascular health. I think you said at the beginning of our conversation that it was important for governments and policies to actually be more, well, actually accept that this is a situation that we're in with climate change and to actually create policies and action plans 
do we need to change the environment in any way, uh, the designs of our cities to improve our access to the outdoors in these high heat days and uh, perhaps smoke days? Do we need more malls or places where people can go that are uh, enclosed so that people can still be active but be active in a space that's safe? What is absolutely important is to reduce carbon emissions and uh, and decarbonize our economy and society. So this is the the the, the only viable long-term plan to reduce uh, uh, the risk of uh, extreme bushfires and heat waves and extreme weather events. So as a, as a society, um, at all levels, uh, federal level, state, uh, local government level, and also as individuals. We need to minimize uh, our um, carbon emissions and our carbon footprint, and and that will provide many health benefits. Uh, of course, they will reduce the risk of uh, extreme weather events, but also um, by reducing emissions from the transport sector, uh, we can walk and cycle more. More, uh, we can use public transport, uh, of course, on, on days when air quality is better, and that will significantly significantly reduce our carbon emissions, our carbon footprint. The same applies to uh, houses and, uh, and the electricity sector, the power uh, generation sector. So we need to uh, use more renewable uh, energy and, and uh, decarbonize the, the electricity production sector. That's absolutely essential. Of course, the way we design our cities and, and we plan our cities also is very, is very important. So compact cities in general have less... Uh, uh, a smaller carbon footprint that uh, cities which are extend over very long, uh, over very large areas, urban sprawl as we call it, and uh, of course we want to make sure that these uh, cities uh, are designed in a way that uh, is more conducive to walking and cycling and using public transport, and also um, are green and and provide uh, outdoor spaces which are. Um, which are conducive to exercising and spend time outdoors in a way that uh, people are protected from uh, extreme heat and and, and UV radiation. So there is is, uh, um, a tree canopy that provides cover from uh, from, uh, uh, solar radiation and and heat. And I, I haven't, uh, just one last question. I just wondered, because I know you've done a little bit of research in this area, but is vegetation impacted by this um, dense smoke? Is it toxic to plants? Do the plants actually take these little particles in? Um, there, there are certain types of pollution which are toxic, which are, uh, um, which, which are harmful for, for vegetation. This particularly uh, ozone, ground-level ozone pollution, this... Uh, can cause damage to corpse and, um, and vegetation. Other types of air pollution uh, will not uh, damage uh, uh, plants. And, and of course, uh, the vegetation has the capacity of, of uh, removing um, uh, particles and removing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. So it has a beneficial effect in, in uh, reducing uh, uh, carbon dioxide and pollution. So more greening of our cities and areas is actually imperative to our future. It, it's important to have a, a well-designed and well-maintained vegetation in our cities. Um, some uh, some of this vegetation, obviously, will have uh, uh, 
um, uh, it will increase some demand for for water input and energy input for maintenance. So we need to design uh, vegetation, uh, urban vegetation, carefully and, and use the, uh, the 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 right kind of plants, which uh, need as less energy and water input as possible, and they are um, resistant to uh, increasing temperatures mm-hmm. and and, uh, and drought conditions. Mm-hmm. But of course, vegetation, urban vegetation, is is uh, an important um, uh, mitigation uh, um, measure uh, against uh, uh, the urban heat island and uh, also against air pollution. Mm. I really appreciate you giving me the time today. Thank you so very much, um, Satirius. And Thank I hope you. I hope that we can speak again sometime. I'm sure that people will be very reassured by the information you provided and the level of your knowledge. Thank you. That's a pleasure. I'm very happy to to speak again. No, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay.